Aaron here with a very important message. The views and opinions expressed in this show are solely those of the hosts and do not reflect the official policy or position of the host employers. Any content provided by our hosts is their opinion and is not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, entity, individual, or anyone or anything. Thank you and enjoy the show. This is Drunk Week Review, and I've never seen so many dead hookers in so many trunks. <laughs> what? Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald. You're, you're a treasure. We'll miss you. Oh, okay. Aaron, you ne- have you never seen Dirty Work? No, no. I you know I know I know Norm MacDonald from Whose Line It Is In Anyway in the Drew Carey Show. Oh his, man, his so stand up is I hilarious. I sent the clip. His, he, yeah, I sent the clip, and um, you'll have to watch it later. Like it's this movie where like they hired themselves out to do. Just like annoying, ta- like annoy people tasks type things. Do you know? And so they, okay. it's the ACDC song "Dirty uh, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap." That's the yeah. whole movie. It, oh, absolutely brilliant way of putting it. Uh, so uh, I know Aaron doesn't have it, but Cody maybe has HBO Max through some source, um, and Dirty Work is on HBO Max. Woo hoo hoo! Yeah, we've been using the shit out of that HBO Max. Yeah, I'm getting stuff. caught up uh, with uh, the Mortal Kombat saga, so I watched the OG '92 movie. Yes, Sunday night. So what? And you need I'll tell you, like for as bad as it is, it's so good. What you need to do is uh, go on to um, YouTube. I know Cody has his thoughts about it, but go onto YouTube and look up uh, Machinima, uh, M A C H I N I M A. And there's uh, Mortal Kombat. It's like Origins, effectively. So back in the day, um, in the like 2010, 2011, 2012, something like that, they talked about doing a reboot of Mortal Kombat, and it was going to be more of an origin story. So they hired this director, and he was doing his thing. Um, and for whatever reason, funding fell through or something. But there is a, I think it's like an hour, 10 minutes. Is this minutes? like that 30 minute long, like, no, Mortal no, no, no. Kombat thing that went out? There. Everyone's like, oh my God, why isn't this a movie from like 10 years ago? It's longer than, it's longer than 30 minutes, but it goes through like all the main characters, all the, so it goes through all the main characters of Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and I believe 3, because it gets into like some of the Cyrax and Sector and stuff I like that. I know what you're talking but Aaron, if you're doing that full, like if you're going to do Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which are the first two, you need to go watch the Machinima ones. Um, and then HBO Max has, of course, the brand new Mortal Kombat movie. And then they also have a one hour or one hour and ten minute um, Mortal Kombat animated. Okay. That's... So much information about Mortal Kombat that I did not already know. I am a huge... That was one of my favorite video games growing up, so I I always kept up with that. I don't want to rag on my mom anymore, but my mom said that I wasn't allowed to play video games that started with T. When um on the Sega Genesis, so I was not exposed to Mortal Kombat. Oh, that has like had the T rating on it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember going to like Target and Walmart and all that, and they'd have the Super Nintendo or Genesis set up and you could play Mortal Kombat. Yeah. 
and then mm-hmm. you had to put the cheat code in for it to turn blood off. Oh, yeah, no, y'all are looking at me like I got a wiener growing out of my forehead. Yeah, there's I was a in, cheat code. I was, in, I was in Germany at that time. There's a cheat code in the original Mortal Kombat to turn blood off, and it also you can turn fatalities off. Hmm. I, I remember going like, so I think I was like eight, or maybe I was like nine, and my mom's like, you got, like, she took me to Sears, like, all right, you can pick for Christmas. Do you want the PlayStation or do you want the Nintendo 64? And they had both set up where you can try them. And nine-year-old me is like, I don't fucking get this, mid- this middle thing- thumb con- control at all. So that's why I'm a PlayStation man to this day. So I got a 64. Uh, my first, my first, let's see, I had a Nintendo and I had a Nintendo Forever, and I skipped the SNES, and I skipped the Genesis, and I got a Dreamcast after that, and then that I got move. a Sega Saturn. Yeah, and then Nintendo had the GameCube. I had a 64, then I got a GameCube, and then for Christmas in college, I got an Xbox, and I had that Xbox, and you're talking like, I got this Xbox in 06, like the big black giant one? Nope, this is the Xbox 360. Okay, so the slimmer white one. Yeah, um, and I had that... Like like ours. I had that Xbox from 06 or 07 until 2015 when I got to Fort Hood and I bought a PlayStation 4 so I could play MLB The Show. I think you guys will both like this story, but um, about the age that I started like enjoying video games was maybe the third or fourth grade... We had a Sega Genesis, which was severely dated at this time. Um, but the kid down the street had a Nintendo 64. And on the other side of the neighborhood, there was a kid that had a PlayStation. And then somewhere in there, somebody had both. Yep. But he didn't have all the games. And the parents kept vigilant inventory of those video games. So we just made a triangle of all these houses. You know, you'd have four... Um, preteens in the same room crowding around the same like you know 16 inch television playing yeah. golden eye dude yeah or or you were doing an overnight with your buddy and it was you know when you die it's my turn to play when i die yep. it's your turn to play or i'm gonna complete this quest and show you how to do it or i've already completed this quest but i'm gonna show you how to finish it on you know in the case of zelda so one of so you just stay up all night that um, was by the time i was a teenager that's when the advent of the land party had happened, yes. and that was something like it blew my mind. Like hanging out with your buddies, getting ripped on Mountain Dew. There, like I love drinking whiskey, but nothing rips as hard <laughs> as a Mountain Dew and a box of pizza and Halo Wars, uh, dude. So we did uh, our land parties were on PC, and we would land party Diablo two and Command and Conquer. Um, like Red Alert and Red Alert 2. But the, you, you talk about playing all these video games. So I was really lucky in my neighborhood. Uh, within like four blocks, there was about 12 of us that were all within three years of each other. Uh, and we all, we all, for the most part, we all played games together. Or we skated together, did something. And basically a street gang. We, yeah. We, we BMX biked around and just. Yeah, big BMXers. Yep. We did so oh, big, B, big BMXers. We did Gauntlet Legends was the one that we would race. always play. Did you really? Yeah, I used to race BMX. Uh, Is this out in California? I started out there when my grandma was dying. She like made my grandpa <laughs> go buy me a BMX bike. 
like, because my uh, my cousins out there were doing it already. So he's like, okay, yeah, get him a bike. And so I started racing in like uh, Hesperia and Orange County. And then when I moved to Round Rock, I started racing. Oh, did you have an Orange County place chopper? off 620? Place off well, 620. That's, that's pretty cool. The place yeah, off so 620. I, I used to have trophies. Oh, okay. No, no big deal. No big deal. Man. I'm getting like uh, the imagination or like I'm, I'm, Wondering if this is like a Mighty Duck situation where you let the team down <laughs> and you get the opportunity to maybe coach a children's bicycle BMX team. BMX team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for Connor not to get laid because he just is riding bicycles on weekends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right, Aaron, do, do your thing. Could do him some oh. good, though. Hey, how was your week? <laughs> Cody? I've got two great stories, actually. If we're going to keep this intro going. Let's go. Yeah, keep it Keep it going. So yesterday, like we're looking at our, looking at our bank thing, and Brian's like, "Hey, when did you spend ninety dollars on chicken wings in Minneapolis?" I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and so, like, I I saw earlier in the day yesterday that my Google account was getting hacked, and I'm an idiot, and I've stored like my debit card on there, and someone hacked my Google account, and so I found like in like the uh, the charge got reversed back, like. I, I caught like someone hacking or you didn't you get a notification it. from the bank. No, I probably have notifications turned off from the bank. Oh, <laughs> I don't care about that shit. But like you know, we're looking at the account and we're like, oh shit, where's eighty bucks? And um, uh, so I see like where Google is like, hey, someone's trying to get into your account. Are you in? Are you in Minnesota? I'm like, no, I'm not in fucking Minnesota. So I changed my password. I don't put two and two together until Brady's looking at the bank. But I'm able to look at Grubhub and um, I'm able to look at Grubhub and see exactly where they tried to deliver the chicken wings to, and they are trying to deliver the chicken wings to the Salvation Army in downtown Minneapolis. Oh, nice! So it's someone like staying at the Salvation Army who has got who's figured out how to grab my password. Either it's one of the leaked passwords that they come out around now, and or I'm not sure how it went down, but. You know, that's all secure now. Now, but did you send an order of chicken wings to the Salvation Army anyway? I thought about contacting them, like, but I didn't have a name. I'm like, hey, you know, just let you know someone's using your fucking servers to, uh, you know, get into people's Googles. But, um, yeah, I mean, all, but the Salvation Army in Minneapolis is in a sweet spot. Like, it's right there by Target Field Ooh. and uh, wherever the Vikings play. Not Vikings. Yeah, Vikings yeah. play. Yeah, it's like it's in a really sweet spot there in uh, old downtown Minneapolis. Target so, Fields where the uh, Twins play. For anybody exactly. wondering, yep. Yeah, so that was fun. And then so today, uh, we're trying to get ready for my parents' fundraiser next month. Uh, Howl at the moon for those listening. At I home. know I'm gonna miss it by a week. I know that sucks. Um, and so we're like, okay, we rented an RV to keep the kids in and like put their pack and plays in all that shit. Just because they're on a nap schedule. Like, that's the only way it was going to work. Well, I need to get another pack and play because Brittany is worried that Connor is so large and already rolling that he's going to roll over onto Mackenzie and suffocate her. Your, so, your wife, the the girl who didn't want children. Yeah, so she, she loves them too much. So now I had to go hunt down a pack and play, you know, like the just a, we used to call play pins. Yep. Now they're called pack and plays. So I find one for like 30 bucks like last week and I do a feeler out to the person like hey is this available they say yes but i saw a cooler one i wanted so i ghosted them for the weekend i didn't get the other cool one this person's like hey i'll give it to you for 25 
I'm like, hey, actually, I need. I'll give you thirty. I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care. And that turns into a crazy, like, twenty four hours of communicating with the psychopath who's like, okay, hold on. I actually gave it to a lady for twenty. Let me see if she backs out. I don't know what she did, but apparently the other person backs out. And now I know that this lady it wanted to give it to her grandson, but she's too broke and she needs her hip replaced. And her husband is or used to be the head maintenance guy at Comfort Inn or Best West or in the Best Western in Georgetown. She doesn't know if he still is. Just he was or he is. <laughs> so it's basically just the rattlings of I'm going to guess Oxycontin's probably like melted this woman's mind. <laughs> So today I go to like we do we do agree like hey nine thirty, uh, meet at the Starbucks. She's given me three different phone numbers to contact her by. She doesn't answer any of them. This morning at Starbucks, I Facebook message nothing. And eventually she gets back to me at like eleven, and I I've already told Brittany I've ghosted that like this woman ghosted me, so Brittany like looks her up on like Williamson County judicial records and find she has a very long history of criminal harassment and trespassing and assault and like abandonment of a child and all this crazy shit. So, and then so this lady pops up out of nowhere. It's like, okay. Cause I tell him like, Hey, I'm leaving. We can figure out later. And she messed me back. It's like, I can deliver to your house. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're absolutely not. And so finally like, she's like, okay, I can meet you. Like, yeah, meet me. Walgreens booties road. Somewhere with security cameras, lighting, and lots of people. Yeah. Well, then she's like, w- wait, no, I can't. Uh, the pack and play is with Pete, and he's he's been at Starbucks for 30 minutes. I'm like, okay, like, who the fuck is Pete? Where did Pete come from? Because that's not the guy she was talking about last night. And then she's like, I was in the emergency room until 2 a.m. I'm like, I just like, met, like hey, I'm going to walk from this. Don't worry about the 20 bucks. And I blocked her and was like, I did not want to be any further entrenched into that saga. That's an adventure. I had the same thing happen with like a a Craigslist uh, rental ad on the east side of Tacoma. And it was like one of those things where everything was getting set up and you're like, it's... Why is it this complicated? (laughs) Well, it's not that it was that complicated. It was starting to be, man, this is a really nice house in my budget range. It's on the east side of Tacoma, which means maybe it makes sense on the neighborhood based off of the amount of crime that's there. You know, I'm going to wait this one out. I've got other, and and uh, those, you know, quote-unquote property manager started incessantly calling me. Oh, that's a bad sign. Yes, yes. So, and they're desperate. Block, you don't like it. And I was getting those vibes. Oh, it, a friend of mine went ahead and confirmed when she sent in the same request. And it was just like, I think the next day we found out the house had been sold 10 days prior. And this guy <laughs> was trying to get us for like $1,800 or something. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, this lady wanted me to give her a $10, like, pay half tonight, like last night. I think I'm like, it's 20 bucks. Just take the, I'll, I'll just pay you 20 bucks. Yeah. And yeah, so, t- uh, yeah, it was, I was getting the feel last night. I was like, Let's just hope she, you know, like, I hate feeling like I'm better than people. Like, oh, I'm just so high class and this person's beneath me. But turns out she was. <laughs> go, go, go off your guts, guys. And she's like a friend of mine from high school's baby mama's mama. And I know that I've met the baby mom. Like, she's not great. I should have known. 
What a nightmare. Small town life. What a nightmare. JM, yeah. what do you got? Uh, Pretty... Thank you for those two epic stories, by the way. Yeah, mine is mine is nowhere near that good. I um, I started putting together a uh, garden at Caitlin's place for us. Oh, uh, yeah. I've got two six foot by three foot raised garden beds. Um, cool thing about being out here in North Carolina is I don't have to worry about like putting down cardboard and mulch and everything to kill everything below the garden bed because we have pine trees everywhere. So pine needles are super, I can't remember what the deal is. Acidic, I think. Yeah, they're super acidic. I think they have like a really high nitrogen count, like nitrogen levels or something like that in it. Anyway. You see me like a bag of them? Yeah. Yeah, dude. So they, you know how, you know how we, um, we'll cut grass and bale grass for, you know, cows or calves or, you know, small horses or something like that. Yeah. Um, so you, they do it over here all year long and a bale of a bale of pine needles goes for like three to five dollars a piece uh what? yeah so yeah, people just i didn't know pine needles had like actual uses other than like use, white girl decorations use it for landscaping man they they landscape the shit out of everything with pine needles out here so uh oh see when we were when i was with you i just thought that was like leaves dropping but you're right like yeah it was there's pine needles everywhere and they use it for um because it kills the grass it it won't let weeds up or anything like that so i blocked off a 10 foot by 12 foot section of of yard um that i've got pine needles spread out on i laid needles down on the base of these uh flower beds or garden raised beds whatever you want to call them so Saturday will be a week. Friday, I got. I'm gonna go buy the uh, four by fours that I need to set up fence posts, one in each corner, and then one one on each side. I'm gonna build a welded wire gate because I'm just gonna use welded wire all the way around it. Um, so because you're trying to keep critters out of your garden, trying to keep deer out of the garden, and trying to keep the Doberman from pissing all over the food. Yeah, you don't want you don't want pee to me. And there's rabbits there. Uh, and I don't. The horses can get into it, but the horses don't go to that part of the yard. Anyway. You could catch those rabbits, and all of a sudden you're eating rabbit. Yeah, I made one joke about killing a rabbit out there, and you would have thought that I'd made the most racist comment that anybody's ever heard in their life. You said the equivalent of the of like the n word with a hard r. Yeah, I said hardest of I said I said rabbit. <laughs> I said rabbit with a hard t on the end of it, and the hard t <laughs> rabbit. <laughs> And no, can't can't like, kill. No, ra- no, I meant I meant rabbi, not rabbit. Yeah, yeah, I would have been better like, off. Okay, okay, better. Yeah, that was. Better. I would have been better kind off. Kind of making... until we bring Cody into the fold, and then we realize yeah. how anti-Semitic he is. I was gonna say I would have been me- better off making a Holocaust joke instead of a killing rabbits joke. At that point, Listen, right now I'm very much in like some weird Don Henley in the '70s vibe. I don't like. I don't know what's going on there right now. Uh yeah, so I'm not allowed to I'm not allowed to shoot rabbits and I'm not allowed to shoot squirrels. So good luck to our garden. We shall see. I don't know, Aaron. Uh, I know you had kind of a rough weekend. Uh, how was by pizza? rough? I mean that um, it was a little hard seeing my grandmother with dementia. Forget who I was, but um, I. Also recognize that it's been a long time since I've seen her, which makes me kind of feel like a bad grandson. Yeah, well, her don't, husband don't feel bad. Years passed away. He had pancreatic cancer. He was given two years to live. As of 
10 years ago. Two weeks ago. Oh, God. And then he passed away. Oh, like if he just told me a pancreatic cancer and he died? So I went to the funeral on Friday. He'd passed away Monday of last week. So, and I think it was three or four days before he died. So 10 days ago, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Three days later, he passes away. There must have been some like stage 12 stuff that they were just like. I've got to tell you that that doctor is a fucking asshole. But hey, I don't, did I don't you, know. Did you um, do anything cool in Pittsburgh or just like sad stuff? I got to spend a lot of time with my sister. That's cool. uh, sh- my sister actually coincidentally also lives in Minneapolis. So I'll have to ask her about that. Oh yeah, that dude. Charge. I, I need your sister to make us T-shirts and go to the fucking Salvation Army and whoop some ass. She is pretty badass. Uh, yeah, so I got to spend some time with my sister and my friend um, Bobby, who I met in Tacoma. He hosted the two of us, and he kind of showed us around. He he was so funny. He has this girlfriend in Pittsburgh. And she's, like, born and bred from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Big Steelers fan. Penguins, Pirates. It's a working-class town, man. It's so fucking cool, dude. That's the um, only city. Also, it's, the only it's city like who's if all you're not from Pittsburgh, you can kind of get a little cold-shouldered. And the fact that he has a girlfriend, period, is really awesome. But he's got this girlfriend, and everywhere that we went, he'd be like, man, fucking Pittsburgh sucks. And it's like his girlfriend just kind of, kept taking it. It was the weirdest thing. And I had to pull him aside at some point. Hey, man, while you live here, you have to say that Pittsburgh's cool. Or find something you like about it. And it's like, this place is cool. Something Dude, we went to this brilliant cocktail lounge. And they like they had a cocktail bartender that remind He's not as good as the guy that I go to down the street here in Tacoma. But he's fantastic. Good like palate and all, the whole nine yards. We didn't eat anything. We drank um, I won't tell you how much we drank because I know that a occasionally my mother amount. buzzes in to listen to this. You drank a responsible like, amount. Like, oh, gee, you and Hannah get together. You're nothing but trouble. She's also from North Dakota, remember? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you know? <laughs> oh, Aaron, don't you know you shouldn't drink so much for sister? That's right. Well, anyway, yeah, so so sorry for the uh, dearly but uh, departed Um that was my week. I'm glad to be back here again uh, at home recording with you guys. I don't know what we're going to talk about today, though. Mm-hmm. I think we just made stuff up. It's everyone yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Real quick, okay, I'm also so very disappointed you didn't go to a Pirates game because if you told me like, ah, oh, we're thinking about it, I would have just bought the tickets for you because I want to go to I want to go to PNC Park really badly. I want to see a home run into the Allegheny. Yeah, and you could see the you could see the bridges that Bane blew up in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, this week, uh, what? Go ahead. What were you gonna say? Nothing. Oh. Nothing. I we we were there for fifty hours. Yeah. So I I know that feeling. Uh, anybody drinking anything cool? No, I'm st- I'm still no. on the same six pack of uh, Yingling I bought three weeks ago. Yeah. There's it's a really not that five dollar bottle of Target wine in my hand that I'm getting ready to crack open. Nice. Um, okay. Well, this week in the group chat, Cody had mentioned, he goes, you know what we should talk about? We should talk about the matrix and how the matrix has ruined political discourse, uh, by the use of the blue pill, red pill thing. Uh, matrix came out in what? 90, 99. 99. Yep. Um, it was kind of a, they're about to do the fourth one. 
uh, just the trailers out right yeah, now. Yeah, whole family, whole family's back together. I saw, I watched the trailer uh, last week. Um, I watched the teal, uh, the teaser last week. I watched the full trailer actually just this morning. It looks good. Yeah, it right. looks very good. Um, like I wanted to shit on it, but I was like, "Fuck, damn it, this looks cool." Are the Krasinski twins doing this again? Just or Krasinski, one of them. not Krasinski. What are they? Uh, Lana. Yeah, I think for a while there, they're going Wachowski. Wachowski, yeah. They, they switched to Kowalski. the Krasinski starship for a while, and now I think they're the sisters. But only one of the sisters is doing it. Because if I'm not, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I mean, we can talk about how like one went, one announced themselves transgender, and I think the other one followed pretty shortly afterwards. Which I mean, that's fine. Well, there. I think it's actually a pretty good. It's actually a pretty good jumping off point because, as all of the world knows, um, Saturday was the 20th anniversary. That seems weird to say, but it's the 20th. On uh, 9-11, I was, um, this last 9-11, that was the day I was flying home. So I was in an airport watching the documentaries at the bar, kind of like mulling it all over. It's Um, like looking at your other people at the gate, you're like, which one of you motherfuckers is going to try it? They're looking at me, and they're not even worried because I'm trying to like hold my puke in. You could be vaguely. Uh, You look like like Cody trying to leave out of Raleigh. (laughs) I don't have I have feelings about it, but I don't have super strong it doesn't make me super patriotic just because of some have of the you f- forgotten? Yeah. Because of some of the fallout of it. And I think that we can merge these two things together because I started thinking about it and in my lifetime, um, so from eighty six for Cody, what is that, 88, and Aaron, 89? Seven, 87. I'm 88. 88. I might as well be in 89. Yeah, I'm so, 88, though. Yeah, 86, 87, 88. Um, in our life, the Gulf War has happened. Um, twice. Yeah, twice. You've gone, uh, you had 9-11, you had uh, the World Trade Center bombings, you had, the, Oklahoma, you had the Oklahoma City bombing. 95. Um, you Five. had Atlanta in 96. 96. Um, but I don't think anything... USS w- Cole was 98. Okay. I don't think anything like the September 11th attacks have done up until COVID in the 2020 election have done so much to polarize the American people. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think what's interesting is the 9-11 tax, for a short time, brought folks together. It wasn't really until the government formulated a retaliation plan that you saw any sort of like blowback, like, okay, actually, this isn't good, or we're not coming together. But yeah, 9-11, for a short while there, you kind of saw a unified nation. I, I would say that does not include anyone of a Arabic descent at all and probably even worse for like the Indian six who aren't Muslim at all and didn't deserve like the shit they got as well just for looking that way so but yeah I, I think something that I've been kind of mulling over um, since September 11th is uh, not only one and I like where your head's at with its um, racial profiling uh, for folks of Arab and Persian descent but also um, which kind of ironic because it doesn't seem American at all to just profile, but yeah, it's pretty American. 
Well, I think I think this. I would, guess it goes against what I thought was American. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That that's totally fair. And I think this um, would be a good platform to kind of discuss what what we've seen as the evolution of America go from the the world's police, the world's savior, to this isolationist. Back to World War II, this isolationist America first that we're in now. Um, I I think that, well, not with the current presidency, but with the last presidency you saw, it was very much America first. We are the best. And there's still a lot of, that seems to be like the underlying, um, not platform, but the underlying uh, ideology of the conservative platform. Would you agree with that? Yeah, the uh, yes. Trump's still like the flag bearer, so I think he's still setting party direction. Also, the only living president and or former mm-hmm. president who was not at the nine eleven memorial mm-hmm. because he was doing alternate commentary for an MMA fight that night. It was yeah, it was a boxing exhibition with old retiree Evander Holyfield. Yeah, uh, I, I think. Um, if inner audience is still in the Trump, I, I I don't know if any of you 35 are. I, d- I doubt it if you listen to this podcast. But um, if that doesn't tell you where Trump's true loyalties or how he truly feels about this country is, then you're fucking crazy. All of us are old enough to remember where we were when 9-11 happened. Um, in fact, several where were you? several episodes ago back in March... Um, we had a guest on the show who was living in New Jersey when 9-11 happened. And we got to hear that terrible, terrible, terrible commentary uh, about the fallout there. Can we uh, talk about that for a second? No, we, we cannot. Will, we, we will not name names or talk about situations. No, but we cannot. That was so bad. And like people like, pull, was like, hey, what was up with that racist lady? <laughs> I was like, ugh. And we were so drunk, like, oh my god, that's powerful. But then we, I listened to it later. I'm like, oh god, yeah, <laughs> god, yeah, it was terrible. That's um, all I want to say about that. No, I, I, I think we've uh, cleaned up our act a little bit around here. Well, right? that has nothing to do with us, right? But there's also a reason that well, there's also a reason what, that that person is no longer. That's in why I threw my life. Up so much. <laughs> um, but I think this would be kind of a good, a good platform for the three of us to kind of talk about how we've seen or what we've seen the changes in the political landscape landscape the community uh, our local community our state community uh, our our nation and how we've seen it evolve from the the day after 9-11 the week after 9-11 where stores couldn't keep american flags stocked um everybody you go from this patriotic very much post post World War Two, uh, or very much post Pearl Harbor. You know, you have this December eighth mentality of we've been treaded on. Um, to twenty years later, and the destruction that we have caused ourselves by engaging in this prolonged war. Um, I don't know. And go. Help me out here. The red pill, blue pill analogy, what does that kind of mean to you when we put it into context of a post-9-11 world? I've got my issues with the post-9-11 world, and there's things about the post-9-11 
political machine and the Defense Department that I like about it, and there's things that I don't like about it. So, what's your what's your connection? Yeah, I mean, it started out just like I want to talk about red pill, blue pill, and how that's became a really simplistic like right or left. Like, do you want the hard truth and or do you want to live the the easy lie? And that's turned into like this really crazy. I guess alt right is probably the best way of putting it. Uh, worldview, and that's really I I think that really only could exist post nine eleven. I think you've got a lot of disaffected people, and we're just living in this world that's post nine eleven. We're also living in a world that's post uh, Soviet Union collapse and what's came out of that. We live in a post uh, like information age society where now there are constantly information warfare to poison various minds i would say a lot of discourse that we see all day on twitter and your reddits i have a gut feeling that a lot of that is by design not like that's some weird illuminati thing more so like there are russian and chinese and israeli and iranian and american and british uh personas out there just trying to stir shit and just make sure nothing like there is no unity ever again that you know but yeah that red that red pill blue pill i just feel has become a shorthand and it's just made everything a very simplistic view that has no room for nuance or uh, wider deeper thought it's very shallow thinking what do you guys think well what kind of what kind of feedback do you get from from is it social media or what kind of feedback do you get from people that you talk to on a daily basis cuz cuz because for me what i find that like a very red pill blue pill moment was um oh Cody i think i i texted you about this drunkenly maybe about a year ago a guy from my first deployment was shaming me for being into the the BLM yeah. movement you remember yeah. that Did yeah and it oh, was yeah, just like a, it was no, I, I was thinking something good. Yeah, it's it just it seems so apparent to me that you know killing black people is a bad thing, and you know I'm finally starting to see the ramifications of like a a post Jim Crow United States, much less a post Cold War United States where the don't tread on me is really hard to get the tread on. It just depends on. Just depends on the boot. Are they depends on boots? who you are, are right? They police boots? So I mean, it's, it's very much like it's like McCarthyism ended fifty or fifty years ago, but we still have like traces of McCarthyism even today. Where it's uh, when it comes to the Taliban in Afghanistan, the Taliban had some sort of partnership with the United States, and it was mucked up because it was either you were with us or against us. It was very dogmatic, um, and I don't know if that was a, a Bill Clinton initiative. Because he was busy trying to uh, what Bill Clinton failed to stop Osama bin Laden because he was busy he with was the Monica Lewinsky. He was trying to get out. He was trying to get out of a scandal. George so. W. Bush is um, now embroiled with how does the United States um, make an appropriate response to Saudi hijackers? that point always gets lost and i guess did you guys see that oh i um, absolutely did that the fbi released the report this last week i was a 55 page but i would be interested to read it because it 
because um, I don't know if anyone it confirms what we already kind of like had been alerted to by you know, the journalism were well community. <laughs> we're well aware that this attack was going to happen. Right. And the previous administration would have gotten their knees and took a lot of Saudi D straight back to the through the T to uh, sign some weapons deals, as we saw with Khashoggi. Right. And even that doesn't bear any sober scrutiny from even the previous administration. Yeah, like the, uh, the, you the remember Bush, Char- cl- Bush clearly knew that the Saudis had some sort of inclination of knowing this attack could occur, and uh, we di- we sure as hell buried that. So how do we see this play out with with the patriotism of September 8th 2001 yeah. versus the patriotism of September 8th, 2011. Any sort of unit unified patriotism. I, I keep mean, saying September 8th. I'm sorry. September 12th, 2001 yeah. and September 12th, 2011. Oh, I, you're thinking Pearl Harbor, December 8th. Yeah. I think we, Got it. I think, I think we lost any of that unity. Oh, I think it soured right when the Patriot like that stuff, you know, was more known. And I think it really, really tanked the moment that the, uh, the Bush administration started beating the drums for Iraq. I think once, fo- what you know, what it's probably that axis of evil speech. To be, I, I don't know exact dates here. What came first? But so is certainly this- the moment there was just rumors that okay, we're going to Iraq, and everyone's like, wait, why? Like that's not who attacked us at all. Like that has nothing to do with Afghanistan. That has nothing to do with the hijackers, Al Qaeda. So you're working with you're working with the president who has lost the popular vote. And is elected, right? And George W. Bush. Right. So. And he fucked up that spy plane crashing in China. Like, that was almost a really bad loss, but he got the guy back. So you have, you have George W. You have George W. Bush, who is looking at an attack on American soil from an, from a Middle Eastern nation uh, that at the time, most people couldn't point to Saudi Arabia on a map. They knew it was over there somewhere. Eight years prior to that, nine years prior to that, ten ten years prior to that, George H.W. Bush is in the Gulf, right? Yep. So he does what he says to do, but he he sets out to do, but he still leaves Saddam Hussein in power. Yeah, they got up to Baghdad and said, no, we're going to go back. So now George W. Bush, the, the son, the namesake, has the opportunity to finish what dad starts. Which is such a weird fucking thing to think about a president doing. <laughs> right? But the, now we can claim victory and remove Saddam Hussein. What does this have to do with Saudi Arabia? Because or because in the 20 years... Because in the 20 years that we've been over there, we never set foot in Saudi. No. Wahhabism does come from like Saudi citizens, though, doesn't it? Cody? Yeah, well, like Wahhabism. It, it was, Wahhabism was started by a Saudi national that was I, effectively, I, not effectively, died in an Egyptian prison, right? In the yeah, this is like early 1930s, 1920s. 1900s, and it was just basically a. I mean, so that whole time frame, you see a whole lot of like back to the Bible, and in this case, back to the Quran. Like you saw it in American, you saw it in. Oh yeah, that's that. No, you're absolutely right about that. Where they, it's, it was a trend, and um, so, mm-hmm. 
you know, luckily for us, to an extent, I guess, American back to the Bible did not end up in a like armed and political factions taking over governments. But in the case of uh, Islam and Wahhabism, uh, yeah, so like that directly influenced the creation of the Muslim Brotherhood in uh, Egypt and other Arab countries. Like that's very much a so Wahhabism po- dates back. Party. Wahhabism dates back to the 1700s. Um, okay, even farther. That makes sense. So uh, Muhammad ibn Abd al Wahhab was born se- uh, around 1702 to 1703, um, which is now in, in a small region, which is now central Saudi Arabia. So is it basically like a, a really dumb book is written and then everyone talks about it and it spreads like Ayn Rand? Um, I'm kind of just his the mission started as a revivalist and reform movement um, advocated of purging advocated of purging of widespread practices such as veneration of stones, trees and caves, praying to saints and pilgr- pilgrimages to their tombs and shrines. I um, think you could look at the spread of Wahhabism uh, I'm probably butchering that word. I'm sorry. You can look at the spread of that as a political force about the same time you can look at uh, nationalist movements in old um, post-1919 protectorates in the Middle East. Perfect. So with the collapse of the Ottoman Empire after World War I, the Al-Sad dynasty and Wahhabism spread to the holy cities of Mecca and Medina. After the discovery of petroleum near the Persian Gulf in '39, it had access to oil export revenues. That grew to billions, and this money was spent on books, media, schools, universities, mosques, scholarships, fellowships, lucrative jobs, academics, and Islam scholars gave Wahhabism a preeminent position of strength in Islam around the world. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is not too my horn, but this is all me, like, top of the dome shit. So, yeah, no, I'm not is... going too deep. I'm sorry, but I can at least hit the shallow ends. Yeah. I what I kind of like about Wahhabism, just as a you know an outside viewer, because... I know generally where it goes. Where I know, n- I know nothing about. Like basically everything we're going to talk about in the Middle East, I know nothing about. So this is helping a lot. I think when it comes to Bin Laden, he was very much a believer in Wahhabism. So how can we make a parallel there? Well, well, Wahhabism, based off of this descriptor, would be kind of your anti-Catholic religious movement. Like, yeah. hey, guess what? We're Christians, but um, you know. Why worship Mary where we can just worship it. God? You're not doing it right. Yeah, yeah. this is very much. Yes. Um, this is very much the how like Protestant revolution. Well, Martin like Luther type shit. Yeah, how the Luther uh, how Lutheranism starts with um, the uh, 99 thesis. Yeah, on um, Reformation Day, right, October 31st yeah. with Reformation Day with the nailing of the 95 theses. Um, and one of them and is that's against, why we dress in costumes to scare away the Catholics. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons that uh, that Martin Luther breaks away from the Catholic Church is the selling of um, oh god, what's it called? But it, it's, it's essentially forgiveness. Yeah, like you're, you're buying, selling off forgiveness a spot in heaven. Yeah, you're buying your way through tokens through the Catholic Church. Into and I'm super heaven. pissed. I can't think of the think of the name right now either. Um, Fuck. <laughs> we'll get there. So. Wahhabism and Aaron, uh, restate your question there, or restate your talking point about how how are we bring this into Osama bin Laden and September twelfth, two thousand one, and further. Well, I think there's something that we can learn here. Where are we going wrong? Because Wahhabism is a very sober way to approach um, government, politics, community where you can mobilize people to maybe look at something. If we're going to be religious about this, how can we be more sober about it? 
um, one of the ironies of of Marjorie Taylor Greene is how incredibly unchristian I think that she is. Uh, and Lauren, Lauren Bobert's the same way. And I don't know if you saw this week that she advocated for um, effectively the government taking its cues and uh, positions from the church. The church with a capital C. Meaning like, the there is no the church that that's yeah, the best part. Meaning <laughs> meaning the Catholic Church with a lowercase C. But but even going back to last week when we talked about abortion, where it's like where is our separation of church and state right now? Because you know, in God we trust. Well, you know, it, it seems like we've kind of gotten away from that. We're going in man we trust, and I'm not seeing that there's a whole lot of trust to be given. Period. Um, there's been the war machine which is just raged on for some 20 odd years now and all i go ahead no no, keep going i think you're on a point i I stepped on your dick so keep going oh no i just um there were so many lobbyists their hands their their pockets are tied to this war and and somebody made money yeah, a lot of people made money off of this. Um, trillions. Trillions. And and some of the people that are making money off of this are people in religious religious positions uh, because they're now able to lobby the fundamentalist point of view. Um, and, and it tied hand in hand. I can't remember um, prior to 9-11, maybe just because I wasn't looking for it, but I can't remember prior to 9-11, uh, well, prior to uh, October, November, when we when we um, went into Iraq. This March. Afghanistan. Af- we went into Afghanistan. Oh, in Afghanistan, that would have been... No, no, no. Yeah. no. Well, that would have been October. Yeah, October. March. So, so yeah, when, we make, when we make the initial invasion um, and the first American deaths come across our TV, I can't remember prior to this, even as far as the Gulf War, of this idolation of a United States service member. Oh yeah. It's a complete overcorrection from you know the the myth of Vietnam and soldiers getting spit on. My grandpa tells that story and I know for a fact he didn't get spit on, but he likes to say that it happens. Um, it happened. But look at look at our look at our troops coming home after Gulf War. Everyone wants to look like an operator now. Like civilians, military guys, everyone wants to. Like it's a whole, it's a whole meme. Like as soon as you get out of the army, you grow the beard to look like the operator, but you weren't necessarily in like the service. Well, you grow I, the beard, you get all the guns. Like there's become a whole identity of who you're supposed to be as a vet. You and buy OAF Nation clothing. Yeah, that sort of thing. Thank you, JM. But <laughs> I mean. But there's just that whole like image that like, you're supposed to have the beard. You're supposed to have like you're supposed to be shooting all the time and drinking whiskey. And I mean, some of it's cool. Like you get to like lift weights or whatever. But like a lot of these guys just get super fat and just only do the guns and beard part. Yeah, let me tell you about living in Southern Pines, North Carolina, where you can't tell who is actually CAG and who is just out of the military and is living in Southern Pines with the soft community. Or with the JSOC community. Oh, when we were at that brewery uh, that you and I went to, yeah, like, uh, uh, I, I think everyone around us, was, they were fucking specimens of men. I don't care how gay that makes me sound. 
Well, I we're also own it. we're also they a, we're like also in eighty second, right? So you the, have a they huge, were absolute. All those men were absolute units, just fucking huge, buff ass dudes with attractive wives and girlfriends and like adorable children running around everywhere. Well, like, you, you got to remember where we're at. We have the home. So Forcecom is headquartered here. You have Joint Special Operations Command, which is headquartered here. You have the Special Operations Group, uh, the third group, yeah, headquartered here. You have a Ranger Regiment headquartered here. Oh, I'm sorry, you have a um, Ranger Regiment. You have uh, 160th headquartered here. You have, yeah, there's a battalion. There's a battalion here. What battalion? Uh, fourth battalion. Fourth battalion's here. We have 160th here. But yeah, like everyone, okay. everyone uh, around it's a detachment. Yeah, we have Fort Bragg. No, no, no. We Let's have a battalion. There is a battalion here. There's two battalions at Campbell. There's a battalion at Bragg, battalion at Savannah, and a battalion in Lewis. There's four. There's four duty stations that you can go to. There's Fort five Bragg battalions. is full of dudes who could fill in for Chris Hensworth as Thor. You have okay. You have okay. a uh, special missions wing, uh, part of a special missions wing for the um, Air Force over here. You have. The special operations. some marine raiders there. Why not? You have the special operations group detachment Delta here. Oh, so yeah. CAG is headquartered out of here. Well, they're now GS, whatever that means. Sure. Um, Government strike. And you also have there is a JSOC global strike team. There, it's Gable Solutions. Yeah, there is a uh, JSOC. Hey, whatever. There is a JSOC special missions wing headquartered out of here also. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm not saying anything that you can't just look up on the internet. So if you, if anybody thinks that like I'm giving away military secrets, this is all on fucking Wikipedia. So if I was North Korea, oh, I got it as a rumor. If I was North else, Korea, so. I would just nuke Fayetteville. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the point is, is you have. Now we're getting canceled. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I, I kinda, that was a weird like. We have. Hole. Where were we? Yeah, we have so we have this, I like where we are. This pedestal, this idolation of the United States soldier, um, which is yeah, that's it. Thanks which operator is, culture, that's right. Which yeah. is directly, which is directly tied, and it tends to be directly tied to conservative Christian values about these these men and women are doing. They're dying for God and country, and we need to support them, like the war heroes that they are. Instead of the people that are throwing grenades into tents of their fellow soldiers or shooting up pre-deployment sites of or fellow just soldiers, stabbing to, stabbing to death an already shot guy out in the streets. Yeah, or I don't know, chopping up and burying a girl, and then uh, picking her back up and burning her and reburying her, um, like we saw Vanessa Guillen. And the the amount of leeway the american service member is given now has it, it's it's a fraternity like it is this weird rapey i have a friend of mine culture. that like works here in tacoma on behalf of the city of tacoma and his whole deal is to work with the city council and the mayor to get veterans taken care of is it a city or is it pierce county it's one of the two but what never really kind of occurred to me is how inherently political veterans affairs is has become where it is now a talking point and it's it's oh, bipartisan yeah. so it better be on your agenda if you if if you're um 
Representative Kilmer, if you go to his website right now, on his website, it Wait. says that one of but, his key talking points is to talk about veterans' affairs and veterans' benefits. And it's kind of crazy that his platform has to include this. Well, it's, that should have already been included. As, like, a this city council poli- member. It shouldn't be a politicized, like, portion to hero-worship people. Some people have had hard jobs. I think we can all kind of say that at some point we know somebody that's had a hard job in the military. Yeah. That deserves an award. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be the one that says it was me. I'll say You it. guys? Right here, right now. Okay, great. Um, so why... It's I, just such a bizarre, weird thing I mean, to kind of it, politicize veterans' affairs. And, and what sucks the most about that is veterans get... Just like it's the sacred cow. I mean, every one of us has been on a Facebook group thread or a local news group thread where they say, hey, uh, the city is going to try to fight homelessness by doing this. Or we're going to fund uh, free school lunches for these people. And there's always going to be some, you know, nowadays, a, you know, MAGA harpy. It's like, well, why don't we take care of the homeless vets first before anybody else? Take care of the homeless vets before, you know, this, this, and that. And you're like, how many of those are there truly compared to anyone else we're trying to help? And why is that? Why do we have to do that first before anything else? It's just become the sacred cow. And it's essentially you can just like throw that grenade into any conversation. And then you have to somehow, like to Aaron's point, you have to account for your your veteran population or you're not or you're we now we go back further Aaron you're a McCarthyist like oh no they're a red they're not even caring about the veterans well and McCarthyism was I I meant to throw that comment in there McCarthyism is no longer what it was in the in the red scare in the cold war where it's handpicked people that are progressive it's anybody that is not conservative agreed yeah you're all of a sudden you're a commie or a socialist like am i a socialist i don't i don't think you well, know very that reminds me of like the lukashenko thing in the belarus that we talked about um during the olympics if you remember that yeah mm-hmm. um prosecuting yes. uh the the press the whole yeah, nine so yards. To Aaron's point, like, yeah, there you can't criticize a veteran. I mean, it, it'll I, immediately turn it'll immediately turn into a, well, did you sign your name on the dot? What did you go through? It's like Jesus. That and that I mean that all goes back to the that initial talking point was the initial talking point of what <laughs> twenty years after nine eleven have we seen the shift in America? And hey, that's and that's what we see because everyone, and there's so many places complacent. Yeah, right, Jinsaki. The, the NFL is complacent in it. Uh, EA Electronic Arts is definitely complacent in it. Whoever the fuck does Battlefield complacent in it. Uh, Hollywood complacent in it. What do you uh, mean by complacent? What are we missing here? Uh, I mean, help me understand. All these are all uh, major corporations or entities that have helped develop this culture of hero worship like every veteran's a hero like well and this so, this was just one talking point like the hero worship of the hero worship of the american that, service that's what i was getting at here can we talk about this consequence of the 911 wars 
one consequence is that it required a sharp movement in recruiting for the force in order to sustain not one war, but two wars, which yeah, really we've door. expanded We're, somewhere well, into the realm of it's now going around well, globally. Now it's a, now it's a third, now it's a third surges. war. Now it's a third war once you put in Operation Enduring Freedom. Sure, sure. The point I'm trying to make, though, is that everybody comes home with something that scarred them. Whether yeah. you were growing yeah. up and inherent resolve. Cody, JM, myself, all of us have gone through periods of depression. But now guess what we're covered under? The VA. The VA. Your tax dollars. And I think it's so crazy that the wars turned into a way for people to do one contract, sometimes less, and be able to milk a system for a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a, an, a, and guess what it is? No, cuz I had it a, is I had a, a person in mind political, that Cody That person that it, and we all know them from our military time. We all know a few that will milk the system for that dollar. Hey Max. Dude, that's a good mustache, brother. <laughs> that's a killer mustache. He's got a, a rat tail too. Hey, tell him to come back in and turn around. <laughs> hey, I mean, I don't need to see his butt. Just, just his head. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so it's it's just been this funny, like, not only is it hero worshiping, and it's kind of, it's so unsustainable of me to think think of myself as a professional athlete that can do operator stuff. Guess what? It's not even a sustainable lifestyle for the people that do those jobs. No, they're held together by they're held together by steroids and painkillers. And I had a I had a pilot at one of my previous units um, who was a CAG guy. He was Delta, so he started off his career. He was an 18 X-ray, which means he joined the he joined the Army under a provisionary special forces contract. He goes to um, RASP immediately. Gets through RASP, which is Ranger Assessment and Selection Program, right? Wait, yeah. he was an 18 X-ray that went to RASP. He, well, they he, tr- he went to the Q course. No, he Did had he drop out of the Q course to go to RASP. No, he had a uh, he had like the Ranger option on too. He had okay, he had fucking, so he's like 11. You're talking the dude's been in 20 something years. 20. Yeah, yeah, like he probably he joined okay. as like an 11 Bravo. Oh, he joined with as a Ranger he joined, contract. He joined in as 11 X-ray. That's what it was. He joined as the 11 yeah, X-ray went to Ranger, Ranger contract. School. He went to yeah, RASP and then he went to the, uh, and the then Q he, course and then he went to Q, uh, SFAS and then Q course and did some time with Seventh Group. And then from there, went to um, the the big trial. Went to CAG, and went to the Delta Force assessment, and then was part of Delta. Um, as Aaron likes to say about one of his dad's friends, uh, ate a few too many IEDs. Um, left, left Delta, went back to group. They put him out on one assignment. Um, and they said, okay, hey, you're back with group. They put him out on one assignment. They're like, all right, and now this is your desk now that you're back from this assignment. And so at this point, he is a sergeant major at like 16 years, 15 years, something like that. Walks away. He's a really young guy. Walks away from it and becomes a pilot. <laughs> wow. Um, That's a fucking life. But like that guy is, that guy is probably one of the, f- and I see that a lot. I see that a lot in aviation where you get a lot of um, prior operators, like actual operators, not the guys that just grow beards and shoot guns on the weekends. These guys are actual fucking operators who have done stuff. Um, 
who who walk away from that, and every one of them is held together by ibuprofen and duct tape. Um, and they love their job, but they're also the ones that are doing 20. Like, they're going to do their career, and they're going to make the best out of their career. They're not the ones who – they're not Matt Best. Yeah. I said it. And they're the not Matt Best. Is the, the, is the former – they're, they're like, not and that dude did he he went and like he served and all that stuff but now that's become his entire identity those that short window of time was is that now fourth who battalion? he is for the rest of his life is that fourth battalion Aaron he was up in Washington right oh uh, second ranger regiment's here regiment yeah sorry second uh, fourth battalion 160th is here and then you've got a first group yeah whatever and whatever then, I th- best and then they have a forward deployed group in Japan yeah I think Matt was up anyway yeah, one of my best. Neither friends. here nor there. The point we're trying to make, though, is that you know it's it's completely unsustainable to have this idea that you can be this way, and so. But there's plenty of corporations who will, who are trying to sell you a piece of that. Like you can get your AR-15 with all the gadgets. You can go buy the Molly gear. You can go buy. You can go to January. You can go to the Capitol on January sixth, wearing all of it, and all probably it. get sponsored. Yes. Um, because because you, you're doing operators because right? you're out there meal team six you're fighting for freedom in your own way so can you're I, just you're just like them can I tell you a funny story about no like, and that is donut where operators is us. that like a guy from my first deployment we all switched out who would be a dismount for patrols this is my first deployment and on this patrol somebody heard the crack of gunfire and started doing um, a movement into contact drill. And the platoon was up for it. The platoon was moving into contact. But the kid took the shell casings off the ground after this firefight. And there's no evidence to suggest there actually was a legit firefight. Picked up the shell casings, put them in his pocket, and took pictures of them and uploaded them to the Internet. But also had, you know, med boarded. A medical board effectively means that you retire from the military and you get a a pension for the rest of your life. So there's this... Post 9-11 world where if you don't support the war, you're damned as a, a, a political um, enemy. Enemy, right? Um, and, and guess what? My representative, Kilmer, always sustains the defense budget. He always does. Um, and there's the quintessential man that neither one of us, and I did it for a number of years in my early 20s, cannot sustain that lifestyle to live like that. I barely made it through two enlistments, and I'm not that bad off, but it broke me off. You know what I mean? And then you've got the bottom of the barrel guy that's going to walk in, want to go and earn his CIB, his combat infantryman's badge, or some sort of combat badge, medical board, and then put on 30 or 40 pounds, and then use up taxpayer dollars to pay off his VA medical bills. The whole thing seems like a fucking setup and you know what drives me crazy about it is much like it's not sustainable to be an operator in your special forces group or your um your navy seal team it's not sustainable to have a budget that caters to people that can't take care of themselves or won't or Or won't won't. yeah because i think that's a i think that's a very good that word is better, Cody. Uh, there's a difference between can't take care of yourself and won't take care of yourself. If you can't take care of yourself, I want the U.S. government to take care of you for doing a service. If you refuse to take care of yourself, I want you to go fuck off. 
Yeah, the, I mean, God, I mean, we're all spitballing here. Like, what if the VA was able to say, like, hey, man, you got a BMI of 50%. We can't give you care anymore. I guess I'm being biased. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I, I guess, like, if, if I had to do some self-reflection and I wanted to go be a social worker, I'd know that it was my duty to teach people how to basically grow up and, and take some ownership of their life. Well, so you know, we, could have, we could have Brittany on the pod and she could talk about we it. We were even talking about it at work today because like I'm, I burn out. I, I work myself really hard. I'm very proud of how hard I work and the, what I bring to the table for the units that I work for. And I think I'm very extremely good at what I do. And it's, I think it's hard to replicate what I do um, daily across like a sustained period of time for anybody else who just doesn't have, who doesn't have my set of skills, whether it be management or being able to timeline stuff or being able to think third, fourth, fifth order effects and programming and planning. And we were talking about it today at work because one of my, one of my very, very good sergeants is getting out and everybody's sitting there trying to convince him. And he's like, what do you think? And I told him, I go, look, man, I'm, my contract ends at 13 years and I am strongly debating getting out. I'm strongly debating leaving the service because at some point I'm just not, I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. And I don't want to be that person who at 20 years is hates their job so much that I'm making it miserable for everybody else. I go, it's not conducive to whatever command I'm in to make everybody miserable. And somebody goes, well, if you do get out, make sure you get a hundred percent. It's like, I, and they're talking about yeah. VA disability. And I go, why would I do that? Like, I mean, but you serve 13 years. You can get 100%. And I go, I can't because, like, I'm in I'm in very good condition. I have, yeah, I have aches and pains because I'm 35 and I work out and I run. And I lift stuff that's too heavy for me to pick up. But I'm going to continue to do it because that's just who I am. So, oh, well, you know, make sure you claim your knees. Make sure you claim your back. Make sure you claim this, this, and this. I was like, why yeah, do... They're, they're asking you to go to sick call for the next length of your contract so you can document you had knee pain. I go, why do I want to... Yeah, exactly. Why do I want to do this? They're like, well, get paid. And I go, I got paid? I'm I'm 10 years into the service, about to be 11 in March. And I go, I'm making... With entitlements, I'm making 60 grand a year for a single soldier. Like, I think I'm getting paid fairly well. Um, Like, well but you won't when you leave. And I go, it's not about that. I said, I've been sucking off the government teat and the taxpayer dollars for 10 years. Will be 13 if I decide to get out. Why do I continue to do this when there's people who legitimately have gotten shot, have gotten blown up, have gotten in helicopter wrecks just training? We had a dude lose his leg two months ago because he got ran over by a helicopter because they were towing it on the flight line and weren't paying attention. <sighs> Taken off give below that, the knee. Give that guy everything. Right? Like, that's somebody who deserves 100%. <laughs> Not me. Not me who, like... They owe my goddamn robot leg. Who, at will, last year, when Cody and I were just fucking off, would, at will, we would go run six miles and have no problem with it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I want to get off the service member stuff, though, because I think there's other... I think there's... There's other consequences of 9-11. I think there's other consequences, and I want to posit this out there. Um, I want you to look at the the um, debates in the 2000 and... The 2000 election and the 96 election, 
versus the 2016 election and the 2020 election. And okay, so 96 we have gold. No, we have what's his what's the old guy's name? Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Yeah, Dole. Who do you, who do you run with? He, so it was Dole and couldn't tell you, but it's Dole versus Clinton. Dole versus Clinton, and then you have um, Gore versus Bush. Gore versus like that's, Bush. That's who ends up being the headliners. Yep. And, and then in 2016, you have Clinton and Trump, and then in 2020, you have Biden and Trump. Yep. And I want you to look at the political discourse between the, just the discussions, the debates, the topics between 96-2000, those two elections, and the 2016-2020 elections, and the I way mean, that we the way that we treat politics. Well, it became a team sport, okay. and so Bush and Gore looks almost like fucking Lincoln and Douglas debate compared to a Trump and Biden debate. But do you, uh, uh, it becomes very crass, very brutish, very. Uh, it's more about it's more about scoring a point than like actually like telling people how you intend to govern or have an actual viewpoint. Why do I care about Why do I care about Hunter Biden? Why is Hunter Biden ever Hunter Biden is not running for office? Why do I care about his his struggles with addiction versus in 96? All we heard was like maybe some stuff about, well, he claims to be from Texas and talks with this fake accent, but he actually lived in like Massachusetts or whatever. Yeah, I think the worst thing they come up with about Bush was like, oh, he had DUI. He's done cocaine. And also, he was in like an absentee National Air Guard thing during Vietnam. Well, even look at the even look at the birther movement in two thousand eight and two thousand twelve. Yeah, I mean that had clear connotations of, and that's kind of like I would definitely call Barack Obama's election as sort of a turning point in American politics. Like, there's been a visceral reaction to Barack Obama being elected president. Well, because in and 2008, he wasn't Barack Obama. He was Barack Hussein, Hussein Obama. Obama. And that's yeah. part of the fallout of 9-11, right? Because yes, now like, we identify we identify him as having a vaguely, well, not even vaguely, but we identify his middle name. Certainly an Arabic middle name. We identify his middle name or islamic i guess as somebody who is associated with those people over there who did that to our country seven years and ago so he's in, he's in on it and he'll do it here too so let's take a look at that i mean what do we see between what do we see the the fallout in the past 20 years of not because that is i think the 2008 and every election after that and the political discussions the discourse how how political um entities how opponents anybody running for congress I, I think at some point will always end up referencing 2011 or 2001 saying this can never happen again and i'll make sure it doesn't yeah i mean from 08 every election since has been a how do i how do we wash ourselves of the fact we ever elected barack obama twice and you'll see that on Republican side. I mean, that's it's very much a repudiation. Like everything, everyone since. So once he's elected, you have the Tea Party, which is essentially a promise to do the dumbest shit in politics possible, but somehow it plays. Well, you remember when the Tea Party was this like alt right movement of. And at the time, the Tea Party was this alt right separationist movement, and now this is the standard Republican talking points. Aaron's yeah, shaking I mean, his head. It's the actual normal. No, you're right. It, this is what are, are any Republican today 
is now a tea partier. I mean, there's very few who probably don't toe that line. That's how we get your Ted Cruz's, your Rand Paul's. We get your uh, your, your Matt Gates, I mean, Matt Gates, Bobert, MTG. They are all children of the Tea Party. That's Who's how we get. That's how we get Tea Party media. That's how we get Tea Party media. Like you got, it starts with Glenn Beck, and then that waters down to. Ben Shapiro and Breitbart and Tucker Carlson, Newsmax, Candace Owens, Charlie mm. Kirk, all that shit. Yeah, like Turning it, Point USA. We're at an absolute race to the bottom Kate. on how do we say the most just... Caitlin Bennett, the gun girl. Yeah. Like, how do we just say the most lizard brain shit to uh, make you scared of, of the others? Aaron, you're about, to, you, you're about to make a point there. Oh, it's okay. I think it wasn't wasn't any good um after talking about those tv show hosts in conjunction with how we now look at are we just going to call that we all think that this is how the republican party kind of operates or well and i don't want to just are you talking about just kind of general discourse i'm talking i'm talking general discourse general discourse the way that the way that politicians address the way that politicians it's just easier to pick alienate on people that do not think about them on key subjects. It's just easier to, it's easier to pick on the Republicans for us because of how we vote and what we believe. Well, I think we should. That, that's a good exercise. What? So, how do you feel that, lack of better terms, the left has changed since nine eleven? Like, what is the stark difference between? a Democrat in 2001 versus a Democrat in 2021. Democrats get the option of using social justice movements in order to garner voter um, turnout. That's how they're trying to attract folks. That's, that's how they attract folks. And I think these grassroots movements are fantastic for that. And, you know, if I can get what I want out of a social justice movement, then great. But I think, they are taking it to a point where is it are you monetizing this are you using it to consolidate your power cuz that's what it feels like last night with uh and i made that post say about if you have an earnest and honest opinion about the met gala you're dumb as fuck i stand by that but to aaron's point i think you are right like you saw aoc last night where a she didn't pay for it, so it's not like she's wasting money on it. But someone la- let her wear a dress that said tax the rich on it in Chick-fil-A handwriting, essentially. And so I do feel there is, on the left, a way of monetizing and uh, what is it? another word for capitalizing on capitalizing okay. on um, these popular, you know, social justice populist movements. So you have her out there in a $20,000 dress, the sex rich, she didn't pay for it, it's fine. But she's clearly selling a product, and she's selling identity. Uh, I was telling her friends today, I think that AOC is the Ben Shapiro of the left. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dumb liberal's idea of what a smart person sounds like. Well, it's kind of like when like she she has She has gotten better. Like, uh, admittedly, she has gotten better with her talking points and what she is talking to and how she approaches oh, subjects yeah. now. But I, stand by, I stand by my statement. I no, think I don't, I'm not going to disagree with it. Much like Ben Shapiro is what a dumb 
person thinks a, a dumb conservative thinks what a smart conservative sounds like, uh, AOC is the foil character to that, I would say. But um, yeah, uh, the left, I feel, since 9-11, I mean, everyone was unified on Afghanistan. And I think the Iraq war offered a contrast, not necessarily for uh, Hillary Clinton. She was for it, of course. But then you kind of saw just there was a from that there's a split off like as far as they be kind of came an opposition party and then Barack Obama was elected and he sort of made Af- he made Afghanistan the good war Iraq the bad war and court I don't know like to me I feel since nine eleven the Republican Party has done like a very sharp turn towards the lowest common denominator whereas the re- the Democrat Party still tries to be like the high-minded one, but it's not until post Barack Obama that they are trying to find their own populist movement to combat what the uh, the right wing's been doing since two thousand eight. That was a lot of words. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> well, Aaron Aaron clicked in like he was about to say something. Just making sure the mic is in the right place. Um, really, the the frustrating part and. We, I think we've come back to this point so many times um, over the year. It, it'll, I think a year next month that we've been doing this week in review, which is fantastic. But um, something that we, we keep coming back to is that there is the, the right and the left. And you know it's fr- frustrating is that f- for the general majority of us, we can find talking points on both sides of the aisle – but the way politicians label their discourse, it's either one or the other. And it's team in sport. past discussions, the three of us have not so many words been uh, transparent enough to say that when your voter's pamphlet comes through, you read through when you're, when you're writing in your ballot or before you go to the, the polling station. What I find so awkward and strange about political discourse is that I thought we elected leaders to represent us, but I don't go fight my neighbor next door because he's a gun enthusiast and he's legitimately shot his jaw off. Oh, so the you're not talking about the guy in El Paso who murdered... No, I'm talking about the guy that lives next door that was on acid and he was using his 12-gauge as I an air guitar and he shot his jaw off and he showed me a picture of it. Oh, I thought you lived next door to Kurt Cobain for a second. Um, oh, Kurt Cobain's <laughs> from Aberdeen. Uh, well, you had the guy in El Paso um, a couple of weeks ago that that got into that got an assault charge and a murder charge um, against I can't neighbors or somebody down the street for their Biden flag and they were Biden voters and straight up murdered um, this girl and attacked assaulted her husband over who he voted for or who they voted. There's for. a beautiful house on my cycling route and it has huge Trump flags out every day and I'll be damned if I don't think that's one of the prettiest houses in the city. But also I'm like man. Uh, he got voted out. I mean, like, oh, we still have those in Georgetown. Uh, I mean, I find your guy. I just hope it's not, you know, Trump again. But I'm Jay, also not going to go over and like TP his lawn, much less fucking murder him. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm not going to go hurt my neighbor because he thinks differently. That's the point I'm trying to make. Is I'm not going to go hurt my neighbor. I'm not going to go shame him on the street. But James, how many times have, like have you been like? 
how are you a real Texan if you don't vote Republican? Like, that's a whole... Thing. So, I actually had that conversation. Really? Yo, yeah, yes. yeah. So, I had... Yes. Uh, it's, very, like, it's very much... I didn't, like, you're in Texas, you're Republican, you're conservative. I had, a, I had a soldier... You, you are less Texan if you don't toe that party line. I had a soldier who left here uh, back in May, June. Um, we were at the range one day, and... I like I I don't talk I just refuse to talk politics at work because I know exactly where this is going to go, uh, because you're in the military right and we know who's ex- who you're expected to vote for, and Honestly, yep. and she made the comment and she goes oh it's something along the I forget how it even came up she goes yeah I've just never met a um, a Texan who votes Democrat like and we just she goes I've never met a liberal Texan. And I was like, but you have to remember where I'm from, right? I'm a, I'm a liberal in Texas. For Texas. <laughs> like, I'm a liberal in Texas, but if you drop me in L.A. or Seattle or New York, like, there is no way I'm a liberal. Like, people are going to, like, the way I vote is probably pretty conservative to them. My my family from Nevada are very much, like, Trumpers and Republicans. Like, how... Like they don't like. Why do you vote? Why do you? Why are you so against him? I'm like, like, I think he doesn't represent me in any ways. Like you, Texas. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm. I a, think when I think Texas, I'm a I liberal think here. Texas are independent, else. and they think the way they want to. Well, we did up until what, you had. That's Ted how it's supposed Cruz, to be. Until you had Ted Cruz and um, Greg Abbott and Rick Perry running everything, and all that. And is and a I gotta tell you, I'm still ticked off about what happened last week, but you know. Well, he's up for election in 2022, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, so after... Oh, shit, while we're talking this, I'm going to pull up the news on Take it back to 9-11. People eventually came down to, especially once the social media really uh, propagated that whole, like, red pill, blue pill, especially, like, your Twitters, your Reddits, things like that, probably Facebook groups. But that's essentially became the talking point, is you're offered the red pill or blue pill, and it just so happened for the right wing, they identify with red so take the red pill means like you're conservative and you see the hard truths not the not the way they're actually lies. making matrix no no references. absolutely dude. dude i think was it on reddit is it, is it red pill like that's the yeah yeah subreddit? yeah so well there's several you had uh you had chopper so people are actively like choosing no, yeah, dude. what truths they want to believe yes like they're they're choosing the lens they want to view the world. Well, because they've done their own Isn't research. Isn't that what uh, cognitive dissonance is? I mean, it's, 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 it is so the... So political discourse is now related to cognitive dissonance. We live in a world where you have to pick which flavor you want of news, and that's how you're fed it. Huh. Uh. That's the world we live in. Like, you know, we know that we can go on the internet and find many, many sources... But your vast majority of Americans, probably the vast majority of people around the globe, get to pick which. Well, not in China, they don't get to pick the flavors. But everywhere else, they get to definitely pick not the, the Uyghurs. Yes, which okay, I'm going to stop making bad jokes about. That. Yeah, the, everyone else can. <laughs> everyone else can pick which flavor they'd like to consume, and most folks don't alternate flavors. They're not picking vanilla today. And Rocky Road tomorrow, they're eating vanilla their whole life. That's the flavor they want to consume. Well, and a lot of that goes into the political shaming that you were talking about, Cody, of you are from here, you're expected to vote this way. Um, when in the 2020 election, when Williamson County, which is the county north of Austin, turned blue for the first time ever, 
Um, well, it wasn't the first time ever, but like the first time in modern history. Since the 80s. Yeah. The modern history turned blue. Uh, the sentiment around the small farming country I was living in was... There's too many damn Californians moving here. Exactly. It's the Californians are ruining everything. It's I am moving because it doesn't fit my... It doesn't fit what I want anymore. And when I By say... By the way, I love that Texas humor meme page because that is a meme that is on there all the time. Those damn Californians are moving oh, yeah. here. Don't text yeah, yeah. And Don't California my text. Yeah, and like and what that is, that's about driving up housing prices. Like that's really what it is, is driving up housing prices and ordering ordering your Mexican food with some just weird California shit on it. It has nothing to do with politics. Tomatillo sauce. Um but that's like that was the sentiment of they don't represent me anymore. Well, you're correct. They don't represent you because the average age in that community is 60-something. Yeah. You are correct. They don't represent you. Your time is over. You, you, you've gotten what you want out of this country. The time of the elves has passed. Oh, motherfucker. Now it's for the time of man. <laughs> there we go. Guys, uh, in case anybody didn't know, we did have a nerd chat this morning. You two have ignored chat. the entire no, time. No, I am ignored it the entire time. I lost it like right when that came in. I I lost an aircraft, so I had to go fucking get this aircraft fixed. You did find it, right? Yeah. You, thank you. Yes. Okay. Extended good. edition, the Hobbit trilogy. Extended. Yeah, we're edition, skipping. To, we're the skipping Lord the of the news. Rings trilogy. We talked about that. We talked about Game of Thrones. We did not bring about or bring up the fact that. Everybody's still pissed that George R. R. Martin let HBO muck up the last three seasons of Game of Thrones. We don't know that. He hasn't written the book. <laughs> because he hasn't written the book. Like, we just had exactly. two young guys, probably the same age as the three of us, Obviously, muck up the last three seasons of it. Y'all watched, the best thing about Game y'all watched of Thrones Dexter, is that right? because the last couple seasons were received so poorly, George R. R. Martin would be like, well, that's not how I'm going to end my book. <laughs> I've got time to change this. Well, y'all watch Dexter, right? Uh, nope. Okay, yeah, if you want... I'm so aware Dex- of it. My, Dex- w- my wife watches it. She Dexter was the original, like, we screwed up the ending of this show so badly. So it's watch, back, watch right? all eight seasons of that, because that was fucking... It was awesome until the last season when you go, what? They Game of Thrones did immediately. I like that we're uh, turning that into a verb. They Game of Thrones yeah. did really badly. They Cody'd it. They Game of Thrones did it. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, for the listening audience... Thanks to JM, I had access to 12 hours of Lord of the Rings movies I've been watching since Friday. It, like, we have kids, so it's, it takes us, like, f- like a night and a half to get through that because of just, you know, feed times. But it's been fucking incredible. I was like, I was like holy shit, like, there is so much more to this because we all saw the theatrical versions. But, uh, yeah, four hours apiece. And so the first movie, like, I was like, holy shit, it just ended at three hours and 33 minutes. But on HBO Max, it shows me there's 27 more minutes of film. What? It is 27 minutes of credits. Is it really? I shit, I shit you not. And so I get to the end, I'm like, what the fuck is this long list of names? They think the entire, the entire charter founding members of the Tolkien fan club for another five minutes of just fucking name scrolling. <laughs> it was 
insane. I don't think that's in the theatrical cut. I think for the extended version, like your name's going to be in this. That's awesome. They have a Tolkien Foundation where they have like a person that is like the head honcho of how they, uh, how Tolkien would have wanted the books to be represented if if they had to be uh, made into film or television, which I think is brilliant. It's pretty Uh, cool. I mean, the the movies, The Hobbit. I thought when I first watched them, I thought they were so bad, but I've got the extended versions and those are the only ones I've ever seen now. Um, But like, they're so bad, but so good. I love the Hobbit ones, man. Like, I know they got bad reviews, but like, I just really, I love that whole kind of universe. Like I've just, me too. I think my grandpa gave me a cop, like a, the trade paperback copy of the Hobbit when I was like nine or 10. And I tore through that and I loved it. I never read the Lord of the Rings. I need to go back and read them. I will. Those are, (laughs) I don't know. They can be a little tough, but um, it can be dry. That's why I enjoyed watching the movies. I'm like, I just watch them. But well, um, I liked the movies. I, you know, I thought the movies, they have a, at the end of the two towers, the fellowship of the ring and the two towers are my favorite of those. Peter, what's his nuts movie? Jackson. Yeah. Jackson. And then after that, it's like Return of the King was just, it was fine. Uh, it was like I, a, it was like a fan pleaser, I feel. But I thought the other but ones were ha- really cool. It has it all just... the hurrah moments. It's got Aragon taking the fucking throne. It's got reforging the sword that cut off Sauron's ring. It's yeah, got. Yeah, that could have easily, the music could have easily been replaced with some butt rock. It's got. It's got the. It's like, oh, look, Mr. Frodo, the eagles, the eagles are flying. Oh, yeah. And then um, yeah. I'm <laughs> in high school. I went to see that with my sister. Like, we just like went to the movies and saw that. Well, they released like, Christmas Day every year. Yeah, yeah. Like, and we're like, oh, sweet. It's over. And then like another scene would cut. I'm like, I think we got up from our seats like three times thinking it was over because they kept like flashing the black. And then be like, oh, actually, now they have to go to the Undying Lands. Like, fuck. Goodness gracious. This seems like yes. a good. This seems like a good point to kind of wean off the main topic. Um, yeah, we did. That. <laughs> any closing thoughts on the last twenty years and what we? What can we now that we're out of the Middle East? We're twenty years past nine eleven. What George do, Bush hates black people. Yeah, the, yeah. Hurricane Katrina. Um, what do we? Do we have any closing thoughts on this? Anything that we expect to see in the political landscape in America? Like any wild guesses out of this? Uh, well, we're gonna have a, another bonus army from the '30s, where someone's expecting payment. I guess. Uh, no, no. Uh, I, what I foresee is that eventually uh, you're gonna see a whole crop of politicians that served in the global war of terrorism, and that could either be a good thing or a bad thing. Let's hope it's mostly good. And but we're also going to have another conflict at some point. I don't know where. Probably I would guess uh, Africa. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say Africa. Uh, anywhere in that Niger and Nigeria region. Anywhere the Boko Haram is gonna be the next big one. We have to like go into Africa and secure their fucking oil or some shit. I'm sure. North Korea, China, Russia. Uh, we'd never go to war with any of those places because there'd be actual consequences. We will continue. I I do think that there's going to be a pause. I think the American taste for war is probably, if the Republicans are to believe, the American taste for war 
has been quelched for uh, 20 years maybe. Okay. I mean, right now they are America first, so I'm assuming that we're going to see a generation of politicians who want to uh, reinvest in the infrastructure, right? That's what that means, right? Right? Something like America that. America first. <laughs> that's that's my guess. What do you got, Aaron? Yeah, it occurred to me that the Department of Defense has been innovating the way that they do combat for the last 40 years. I think that we've seen some of the the most incredible feats of American ingenuity and prowess on the battlefield since probably the Vietnam War, especially with the advent of um, long-range uh, patrolling, um, special operations units, special aviation units, and Drones. the ability for the CIA to conduct um, uh, guerrilla warfare on behalf of the president. What I haven't seen is any of these successfully work out. The idea of the Special Forces mission in relation to the Green Berets is that um, they partner with indigenous forces to either over, sustain a government or overthrow. Well, it's supposed, to be, a, it's supposed to be a training mission on paper. It's supposed to be a training mission, right? Um, but have any of these formats worked? They've probably been... The nature of warfare has changed since um, the Korean War. But the world environment, um, the global environment has also changed. What frightens me is that there seem to be some very simple things that we can do as far as solving big problems, but none of them seem to be pragmatic enough for anybody to sort of agree on. A big one would be your your water wars. So you think your Africa, um, think your uh, Babylon River region, um, Tigris and Euphrates in Iraq, right? Are we paying attention to these water wars where a lot of these conflicts start as very simple rights over property and land? Are we paying attention to the fact that we're in a post-colonial globe, which means that Western influence plays a heavy influence on um, on on nations that were previously described as third world nations. How can we, as the United States, do better by by not only our perceived American principles, but how can we do better in a global context? Now, I don't know the answer to this question, and what frightens me is that. We are 20 years away from the last December 7th tragedy that we've had since, uh, Cody, what was the year? 1940? Pearl Harbor. 1941. 1941, right? So September 11th, 2011 was another one of those. We had the Civil Rights Movement. Um, In our lifetime, we have seen the end and start of I, I think a second cold war and we've also seen um, the genocide in, in Serbia and Bosnia yep um, sub subjugation of the Uyghurs in our generation we think it's okay to blame every person that looks like they're from the sub-Asian and Middle Eastern areas the sub-Asian continent 
and uh, the Middle East and the African continent to discriminate and just call them terrorists. It just it frightens me to live in a post 9/11 world where information is so readily available but that information is neither relevant nor true nor is it given context. That's my final thought. Okay. Um I think that there there's a couple thoughts going through my mind about this with the the it's not force on force, but with the effective force war in Afghanistan, Iraq over um, the next logical thing for the Department of Defense to push on and the United States government is going to be Syria. Um, I think that's probably where our next platform is, is Syria. Um, if, if we have enough covert operations to subdue the... Uh, the war machine, the missiles, the nuclear compounds and stuff like that to provide a viable force. I think our big enemies would be your, your Russia and China. Yeah. And well, but we already said we're not, we're not going to pick on the initiatives that are um, tied to like a new silk road initiative, but we've already, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, we've proved middle Eastern. Now we proved in, we proved after 1776 that we're not going to fight anybody that we might lose against. Um, so we're just going to continue to picking on these little people. Uh, we're going to continue to pick on middle, small nations in the Middle East, uh, somewhere in Africa, somewhere in South America. Um, it's a war of influence. It's yeah. not a war of domination. Uh, I think the I think the weirdest thing that you're going to see is polit- and the political landscape is going to be the Republican platform having to find somebody else's back to stand on other than the American soldier uh, with without a sustainable war in the Middle East and without being able to hold up war heroes and look at our current efforts and what they're doing. They're going to have to find something else to stand on. The Democratic Party has already proved that they that they've moved on to America first initiatives by looking at um, looking at looking at infrastructure, looking at social injustice, looking at health care, looking at education. And they've kind of taken over all the big ticket items and rolled them into their platform. Um, I think it's going to be very weird to see what the in the 2024 election uh, pending no major war is happening what the Republican Party is going to run on again without viable... The debt seem like the bad thing. Yeah, without viable, sustainable government contracts towards war. Uh, we They've already given up on their fight against abortion as far as, like, they can't, they can't use pro-life choice or pro-choice anymore. They can't use health care anymore. They can't use um, education anymore. They can't use any kind of social justice reform anymore. They stonewalled infrastructure bills everywhere from state levels to federal levels. So it's going to be very interesting to see what their big running ticket platform is. I also would not be surprised to try to see um, the conservative platform pivot service members from the Middle East to the border and say that's where the next big threat is and posturing along America's southern border against um, 
crime and drugs moving in from Mexico and Central and South America. That's where I see it at. Um, I don't think they have a sustainable platform now that there's not war happening. It's going to be their platform is going to be everything against whatever the Democrats are doing. Yeah, that uh, that putting soldiers on the border is interesting. That was essentially the plot of uh, Sicario. The United States government's officially declared the cartel is a terrorist organization. Yeah, I think you see the global war on terror move from the Middle East into Central and South America. We could have a whole podcast about how it already has, because uh, I know that. Mm. Um, time for some good news. Uh, Cody, I already lost your link. Uh, it's hidden in the chat somewhere. Uh, so if you've got that, you can pull that up. Uh, the one I picked, I don't know if y'all got a chance to look at it, was about a plant in Iceland. Uh, the Orca plant is set up by a Swiss uh, startup called Climate Works AG, and it's in Iceland. This is the first factory that is aimed to capture carbon dioxide from the air and turn it and move it into stone underground. It's pretty cool uh, for both of y'all. The link is up in the. Um, in what the, if they make What if they make too many stones? What do you do with all the so stones? No, no, no. It's not. I'm sorry. It's not moving it into turning it into stone. It's moving it into stone. So this plant effectively just. Uh, cream pies the the stone behind us or stone below us below us so uh orca plant is the only one that permanently captures co2 but there's 16 installations so 15 of the other ones sometimes do it uh every factory has a capacity to capture 4,000 tons of co2 so 16 times 4 is 64,000 tons of co2 Right now, we'll just focus on the one, which is going to permanently capture 4,000 of it. So what it's going to do, um, it basically takes the CO2 from the atmosphere. uh, It mineralizes it underground and converts it into stone. It mixes with water, and it's pumped deep underground where it's trapped in stone through a natural mineralization process that takes under two years. Um, It's... Pretty cool. Now, there's about 35 billion tons of CO2 in the atmosphere, so this is only a fraction of it. Uh, But I think this is cool that this is like the first step towards reclaiming the environment. Well, it couldn't have come at a better time. I just hope that we get enough of it in place beforehand. Curiously, like, what happens if we just keep putting carbon into the rocks but well, I mean that's effectively what it's isn't that effectively like what it is, right? I don't well, know. Well, I'm well, I'm hopeful. Like what I would try to do is make them the diamonds. Just fucking compress that carbon, make diamonds. Well, boom, ka-ching. Yeah, ka-ching. you still got to cut this. Yeah, you still got to cut the oxygen out somehow. And uh, blood to make them blood diamonds. Oh yeah. So this this plant runs on completely renewable energy right now. They're saying it's uh, possible for the orca to be operational in under 15 months compared to the. Uh, yep, and so it they were able to do with renewable energy. They were able to get it up and running in under 15 months. Um, That's badass. It's it's pretty cool. Like I'm excited to see where this where this is going to go. Um, see if this is sustainable development future across nations if this technology doesn't spread 
especially, you know, can we put one somewhere in Jersey, in New York, in Houston, in Detroit, in L.A., in San Francisco, in all these major metropolitan areas that are in uh, China, put it in Beijing, put it in Moscow, you know, all these massive producing countries instead of necessarily just Iceland. Yeah, that's a, that's a curious thing is um, where do we think this technology is going to be masked at? Do we think that just these uh, Europe is going to take it on or do we think it's going to spread to the United States and all the other like major producers of carbon? I don't know. I thought, Aaron, you get kick out but of But it's this. a cool start. Hey, look, man, until it's uh, fixing the environment, it's just another thing that uh, – it is. It's removing 4,000 tons of carbon a year. Hell yeah. Get more of it. Yeah. Where are my taxpayer dollars going for that? Uh, so going there's towards fighting abortion. There's 15, other, there's 15 other plants that are not running full capacity doing this all the time, but have the ability to. Are they held back by political institutions? And, uh, well, they're across, they're across Europe, um, not necessarily in Iceland, so I don't know what, the, what they're doing the other time, but... Says there's 16 of them. The sooner the better. Let's fix it. I'm stoked, man. Cool. Uh, any parting words for anybody before I get into socials? Every 9-11, make a wish. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and that's it for parting words, because Cody, Cody ruined it. <laughs> and now nobody can have any fun. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, anything for the group before I get into socials? Call us. Don't suck at uh, Apex. There, is it Apex? Is that what it is? Okay, it's Apex. Not, it's not Fortnite. I can't remember which which twelve year old game he's playing. I, sorry. All right, uh, that's it for this week's episode of Drunk Week in Review. As always, you can email us at Drunk Week in, or we are Drunk Week in Review at gmail.com for all the old school listeners, pretty little loggers at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram. We are at Drunk Week in Review on podcast. You can find us at DWIR Podcast or on Facebook. We are Facebook.com slash Drunk Week in Review. Feel free to email us with any news that you think is viable, any questions, comments, concerns you had from this week's episode or any other week's episode. If you want birthday shout outs, if you want hi how are you doing shout outs or if you want to let Collis McCoy know um, how bad he sucks at uh, uh, Apex Legends Apex. because he's still not number one in the world go head over to Twitch and find him at Don't Tickle Me Elmo uh, if you have a favorite streamer that you would like to send us or if you're trying to get a stream up off the ground send it to us we'll promote you the other 34 people that are listening to this podcast might go and check it out as I think we've proven with the other Twitch streamers people don't ever make it this far in the podcast anyways uh so we should do socials at the front <laughs> probably <laughs> uh do, 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 i think that's about it and we appreciate you listening to us cody take us home well what the audience does know at the end of the podcast we all show our nipples and they never get to see it uh yeah so good night and we love you